You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Tribe Super, your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove. As usual, joined by Craig, Johns and Dom Shaw. I had worried by doing this a week after Middlesbrough beat my United in the Cup. I did ask Dom if the magic would still be alive and he told me it most certainly would be. And I'll come to you first, Dom, because I know you headed down with Craig to Old Trafford. Just sum up your feelings about the performance and the result against Manchester United in the Cup. It is. It, it was one of those performances and wins that... Um, that we'll still be talking about for years to come. And we know that because we're still talking about the the one there from the last time in, in 2015. Um, you know, it, 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 I think the fact there was 10,000 fans there, um, the fact that it came on the back of what's been such an impressive run in the league, so it only kind of further strengthened this feel-good this feel factor and the bond and the connection between the team and the fans at the minute. Um and the manner as well, you know, the penalty shootout, Ronaldo missing a penalty, Sol Bamba scoring his penalty. I mean, all the penalties were, were brilliant. But yeah, I can't remember a, a penalty shootout, as, as in, a, a string of penalties as impressive as that. Um, but it, it was just a fantastic night from, from start to finish. Um, I think the pride that you could see the players and certainly Chris Wilder felt... Um, and and the and the fans as well. I mean, for the fans there, ten thousand fans. It's you know, it is a night that you'll never forget. It's an it's the type of night and occasion as a football fan that will stick with you forever, and that's what it's all about. And Craig, what did you learn from the performance from Middlesbrough? What what did it tell you about Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough team? I think ultimately just that you know they've got the character and they've got that spirit um, within that squad. Uh, I don't know if we learned that. I think we probably already knew that from you know what we've seen over the course of of the of recent weeks overall. But certainly, I think you know early on in in that game, I would say probably about fifty minutes or so of it, even you know Middlesbrough were humbled really by the quality of Manchester United and by the the kind of pace that Manchester United were were able to play the game in you know there was the, the clear difference in quality between the two sides for you know that opening kind of two thirds of the game if you like but um but you know the Borough you know eventually got into their stride somewhat they they managed to you know I think it changed a lot when Duncan Watmore came off the bench for me. I think he, he added something for, for Middlesbrough up top um, and, and just gave Man United a little some extra something to think about up top. Uh, you know, his, his energy, his enthusiasm, his, uh, his non-stop press just just helped Borough uh, have a bit more up top in that game. But, but you know, I think to a man, Borough stuck with Man United, they never give in. I mean, Dale Fry up against Cristiano Ronaldo all night. Uh, yes, Ronaldo missed a couple of chances he probably shouldn't have missed, but, you know, Dale Fry battled uh, battled his heart out all night. 
night as as, as every player did. And I think uh, you know to, for them to then go on and hold the nerve in in the penalty shootout, which you know the loss, the toss that was that was at the Stretford end in front of the Man United fans, but you know it didn't phase them. And as Dom said, absolutely brilliant penalties, every single one of them from Burrow's point of view. It was uh, it was just a magical night, and I think uh, you know. It, it, you know, brilliant support. Everything about it was fantastic, and you know, if, if I'm sure most people have already read it, as you say, given we're a week on. But my advice to anybody who hasn't is to go back and read. Uh, Dom wrote an absolutely brilliant piece uh, the next day after the game, just talking about the, the individual stories within each player. Um, you know, on the pitch that night, there were so many little stories. Matt Crooks was the obvious one as the, you know, the, the Man United fan released from the club and then scoring at Old Trafford and there was tears from him, etc. But so many little individual stories, which Dom put into a wonderful piece the next year. So if anybody hasn't read that, my advice would be go and find it on the website, on our website and read that because it was brilliant. Just two, just two things to put in there. There was one story that I kind of didn't realise until afterwards, and that I forgot. Lee Peltier came through the ranks at Liverpool, and um, I, I stumbled across his Twitter the next day, and his likes was just a selection of like former Liverpool players and fans, kind of giving him the thumbs up for for scoring a penalty at Old Trafford. And the other thing, obviously, it's no secret, Craig's a Man U fan, and as penalties were approaching, I turned to him and said you know who do you actually want to win in this in this position now and Craig was adamant from the start to be fair to him that he wanted Borough to win I, d- I didn't even it? say that um, yeah yeah uh, yeah it was yeah it was one of them things as Dom says and no secret I am a Manchester United fan and uh, you know realistically that was probably Man United's only chance of winning uh, winning something this season um, because you know you look at the Champions League and think they're not going to win that but then equally, when I kind of looked at it close, I thought, well, why do I not think they're going to win the Champions League when they're still in that competition? But I think they're going to win the, the FA Cup. I thought, well, I don't. The, the, if they beat Borough, they'll draw someone better later in the competition and get beat and not win the FA Cup. Whereas, you know, what that night meant to those 9,500 Borough fans and, and, and the players on the pitch, you know, everybody connected with Middlesbrough Football Club as a whole just made it a magical night, which for me was why I, I decided, you know, before the game, I wanted Burrow to win that. You want to know all expenses paid trip to Wembley. That's what it is in May. Yeah, well, there's that as well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's crossed, it happens. Um, just talk to me briefly then, Dom, about the handball that wasn't a handball. I mean, that really caught the headlines and, you know, Crooks did what he had to do. He put the ball in the back of the net, but was it a handball? Not that it matters now, well, but just... well, my my, my um, as soon as it as soon as the goal went in, I turned, didn't we? And we said that's going to be chalked off. You know, I I, for, I didn't for one minute um, think that it was going to stand. Now that's probably uh, because of my lack of understanding of the rules. I wasn't aware of that rule that if if it's if it's accidental and you don't score, then. So if Watmore had scored, obviously the goal had been disallowed, but because Watmore didn't score. But, but you know, judging by the reaction and from what Chris Wilder said, um, everyone was in the same boat. Thankfully, it was only the officials that realised that I think the one thing, um, wasn't it refreshing to hear Chris Wilder just say, yeah, yeah, I thought it was handball. You know, I was waiting for the goal to be disallowed because you get the usual slaver, don't you, from managers. We know that they either didn't see it or, well, the referee's got the right decision. We know the rules. But, you know, Wilder just agreed that he was in um, he was in the same position as the rest of us. The, the only thing is, like, 
it, it kind of did not ruin the moment slightly, but the celebrations weren't half-hearted, but they probably weren't as quite as committed as what they would have been if you scored. But then still, I guess they got a second crack at it. And, and to be fair, the celebrations at full time made up for it anyway. Um, but I mean, by the whether whether you agree with the rule or not, I, it was accidental. I, I don't think there's any doubt in that it was accidental. Um, and by the book, then it, it should have stood. Um, and now you know whether I agree with that rule or not is another thing. It's a strange old it's a strange old ruling, isn't it? But but I think it was the right decision, absolutely, to let it stand. Just sticking with the FA Cup, uh, moving slightly away from Middlesbrough, still got a link though. Craig, just talk to me briefly about Jed Spence. I mean, he's getting so many plaudits over the last few weeks here. You know, he put another good display against uh, against Leicester. He won plaudits for his display against Arsenal. So I'm talking against about his, his time at Nottingham Forest. Um, a lot of people on a national level on certain radio stations question, why isn't he in the side at Middlesbrough? They probably don't know about the good options, you know, keeping him out of the, the starting eleven here up at on side, so just talk to me about Jed Spence and what the future holds for him. Yeah, well, as you see, uh, the people you know questioning why he's not at Borough and not in the side. Obviously, uh, you know, haven't heard of Isaiah Jones and uh, and long may it stay that way from Borough's point of view because uh, you know the longer they can keep him a bit of a secret weapon, the better. Uh, but ultimately, it's Isaiah Jones is the reason Jed Spence, um, you know, isn't isn't in Borough's team right now. Um, had debated bringing him back in January. Uh, obviously, he was sent out on loan to Nottingham Forest by the previous manager Neil Warnock, and uh, you know it's it's well documented why that was. He he, he wasn't a Neil Warnock kind of player. He's attack minded fullback, and and Neil Warnock prefers his fullbacks to be defensive minded. And and certainly, you know, back end of last season, Jed Spence cost Middlesbrough a lot of points with his uh, you know laps attitude to defending shall we say um but yeah clearly he's he's, he's gone to nottingham forest and, and under steve cooper he's he, he's thrived in that team and in that system um but uh but yeah as you say um the debate bringing him back in january uh they had that option but with isaiah jones thriving in the middlesbrough team like he is and also jed spence you know, happy at Nottingham Forest and not really wanting to come back to Middlesbrough, it ultimately became an easy decision for for Chris Wilder to just leave him there. And and you know, all this attention that he is now getting um is 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 ultimately good for Middlesbrough because he'll come back in the summer and I think it's highly likely now that it, you know they will look to sell him and uh and you know the really positive uh update which uh which Don managed to get a steer on uh, earlier in the week the really positive update on that is that um uh, before he you the kind of renegotiated the loan deal in January because of how well he was doing um you know so the the, the managed to kind of profit a bit more financially from it in January than the original agreement in the summer but also uh, renegotiated a contract with Jed Spence as well, which means that rather than being out of contract in a year, he's got another year on top of that at his contract at the borough um, until what what is twenty twenty four? Is it is that right? Um, so, yeah. So so you know what what that means is when he comes back in the summer and borough more more than likely look to sell. Um, you know, the, the clubs looking to buy on CNW, he's only got 12 months left on his contract. We're not giving you that much. It strengthens Borough's, Borough's position as the selling club. And really the thing is, I mean, the, the, the two performances he's had against Arsenal and um, and Leicester, 
Uh, he, and by all accounts, he's been superb all season for Forest. But he's really put on a show in those two games, hasn't he? When the national spotlight's been on, and you know, I think we'd seen uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Woodgate say he was worth twenty-five million quid last uh, last weekend. And I was listening to Five Live in midweek, and Woodgate had been at Spurs watching Spurs against Southampton, and Emerson Royale was at right back, and he'd said, you know, Spence is a million times better than um, than Royale. All, all this kind of chatter about him, and you know, Woodgate's qualified to say that because Woodgate was the man who obviously brought Spence through, put faith in him, gave him his debut, um, and and had to try and manage um, maybe you know kind of Spence's character um, as he was bringing him through, and you know not. He was player of the month for the December of whatever year it was. I'll get mixed up um, when he first broke through. Um, so, you know, it can do Bunnen no harm at all, can it? Especially now that we know there's that extra extra year on his contract. So no one can come in in the summer expecting to, to push for a bargain. Um, yeah, so I suspect it's Bunnen are going to handily profit from that. Yeah, final question on the FA Cup then, Craig. Middlesbrough have drawn Spurs in the next round. How far can they go? Can they get the better of Spurs and progress even further in the cup? Yeah, I mean, I think they certainly can. I think they've proven that against Manchester United that they're capable. Like, uh, I think, you know, let's not get too carried away. Spurs are obviously a very good team. And uh, I can't remember, I think, was it Ian Wright uh, in Punditry after the draw who, who, who pointed out, you know, if Middlesbrough were to give Harry Kane the amount of chances that they give Manchester United in the kind of opening, uh, certainly first half at Old Trafford, you know, Harry Kane will more than likely punish them for that. And, you know, you have to be realistic about that. I think ultimately uh, what we're going to have is, um, you know, Tottenham coming to more than likely a sold-out Riverside Stadium, um, you know, positive fans, a team with a lot of belief, a lot of confidence, uh, and, a, and a coaching team, a manager who, you know, has set standards that are extremely high and that players know they can't uh, you know dip below there will be consequences if they do that so certainly you know it's not going to be an easy game for Middlesbrough but there are you know there are more than enough reasons to go into that with with positivity because there's a lot of you know character in that Middlesbrough team where you know, they can give a good account of themselves in that game and 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 more than that I think you know with it being a big home tie uh, against a big Premier League club the um, you know the financial aspect of it in terms of the money that will come into the club because of that, and it is of course being picked up now and will be shown live on BBC One. You know, there's a lot of positives in in that regard as well. Thinking ahead to the summer transfer window. Brilliant stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, then we get on to Middlesbrough and QPR that finished in a draw. Dom, not not quite back down to earth with it with a with a bump. You know, QPR are a good side. What did you make of Middlesbrough's Middlesbrough's performance and the the, the final result? I thought um, I thought it was one of Borough's best performances of the season. Certainly, one of the best. Well, it goes without saying. If it was one of the best performances under Wilder, it was one of the best of the season. But QPR are a very good side with a six unbeaten coming into this. Um, I've seen a fair few tipping them to get the second automatic place behind Fulham, Um, and. A draw was the absolute very least Borough deserved, wasn't it? You know, was it had it not been for for Lumley's calamitous error, um, Borough would have won it. Um, and, and I think it's one of them where 
the performance is that good, although although it was only a draw, and again, that's no bad result. I'd have certainly taken the draw before the game. Um, but I think, it, it, you know, it, it, it continued the momentum from Man United. I, w- I was slightly surprised at the fact he, he made so few changes, especially how after his press conference on Tuesday when he'd, you know, kind of strongly hinted really that he was going to make changes. He talked again and again about, you know, being brave enough to change it and, and not being frightened to make a change. But then he only made the one, which we all expected anyway. Um, but credit to the players for and, and the managing staff, coaching staff for, you know, making sure that there wasn't the old, you know, after the Lord Mayor show and Borough, Borough kind of maintained the, the level of consistency. Um that, that we've seen throughout, really, and uh, yeah, I think I think it was a, a very good point. And the thing is, and it's something that Borough weren't doing early in the season. You know, Wilder, what makes Wilder's record so far all the more impressive is the fact when you look back at the games, he's had a tough run. Really, um, they've played five of the top six, won three of them, should have beaten QPR, and there was the blip, you know, the off night against Blackburn when really they should have got a point there. Um, it was a nil-nil game, wasn't it? With with one sloppy error to concede the goal. Um, and, and I think, you know, without getting ahead of ourselves, that obviously bodes well for the playoffs if and when Borough get there. But it's also like such a show of, uh, such a confidence boost for the players to know that, you know, we, we can handle it with anyone in this league. And and it's just, you know, the, the other teams and the other the rivals and the other players and the other teams will be well aware of the fact that, you know, Borough are absolutely in this now and that, you know, they're not going away because they've all seen up close just, just how good Borough are under Chris Wilder. Yeah, 100%. Craig, what did you make of it? Yeah, like Dom says, I think it was uh, certainly uh, since the turn of the year, I think it was definitely Borough's best performance. And I think, you know, we think of the, the good performances under Chris Wilder, uh, which have been the best performances of the season. Uh, you're thinking of the, the the victory over Bournemouth and and the victory over Nottingham Forest. And, and I agreed with Chris Wilder's assessment after the game that, you know, although they didn't get the three points on the night, performance-wise, it was up there with those two victories. Uh, you know, the, the way they dominated the, the ball and the way they, they, they dictated the play in the game, dictated the tempo, the, the crispness that they moved the ball about. Um, it was it, it was really, really good to watch. Um, they didn't deserve to fall behind when they, when they did. That was against the run of play somewhat. And then, you know, they got themselves back into it and, and then conceded that, uh, you know, that calamitous goal at the start of the second half. But, you know, to, to go to QPR... And, and twice come from behind. QPR are, uh, you know, a difficult team to play at, at, at their place and to, to, to twice come from behind and, and come away from a draw. Not only did you see Borough's quality and technical ability in the way that they dominated the game, you saw the spirit and character within the group as well to, to you know, to come back from those two setbacks and, and still get the draw. And I think ultimately, you know, I definitely think that they they deserved a win and um, and and you know kind of dis- described it as a, a win and draw. I think more than anything from a mentality point of view as well. I mentioned it being probably the best win of of, of the calendar year. And I think you know if if we think back, they had the COVID outbreak just after the Blackpool win, uh, just before New Year, in between Christmas and New Year, and 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 since then they've kind of you know they've they've had positive spells in games and um, they were very good and unlucky not to be uh, well clear against Redden in the first half, ultimately had to fight back from going behind to win that one. Uh, they've, they've, they have had positive spells in games, they, uh, but 
but they've never kind of dominated a team and, and passed the ball with that intensity and that crispness that they did um, at QPR since thinking back to, to you know, probably uh, Box India and the win over Nottingham Forest. Uh, that was probably the first time they've really, really, you know, dictated a game in that manner since then. So from a mentality point of view as well, I think it was, you know, important and really positive to see them get back to that level after what I can only presume has been kind of, you know, the the after effects of COVID as well, if you like, and, and kind of disrupting the rhythm and the flow somewhat. We've mentioned the error that led to one of the goals for, for QPR, Lumley. When we do these podcasts, a lot of people, he's a man that definitely divides opinion, Dom. Given his performance against QPR, do you, do you just write that off as players will make mistakes every now and then? Or do you think it adds another element to the debate over his future as you know a Middlesbrough number one? Um, he's, you know, he's... It's not a one-off, is it? You know, he was very fortunate at Man United. The Fernandez one, well, the, the one in the early in the first minute. Although you can put that down to nerves, and there was a bit of a mix-up with was it Dale or, or McNair? Um, I can't think back. But um, you know, he was very lucky with the Fernandez one. Really, how, how it was just a pass into the, in the open net, wasn't it? How Fernandez missed that, and then obviously that again four days later. Um, I mean, it, you know, is. His record in terms of goals conceded, I haven't got it in front of me, but his record in terms of goals conceded since Wilder takes, has taken charge is is very good. But, you know, without being overly critical, I think a, a lot of that is probably down to the fact that um, he, he hasn't been, you know, I can't think of many games other than the Man United game last week when Borough have been, you know, really under the cosh and that teams have carved out chances Chris Wilder's made the point on a few occasions, hasn't he, when he's been asked about Lonely that he's, you know, he's got no complaints, but he has pointed out, you know, he hasn't had an awful lot to do in games. Um, I think going into the summer, if as things stand, you, you couldn't. That has to be the priority, doesn't it? Um, when you look through the team, that that I don't know whether you'd say it's. A, I don't know whether it'd be overly critical to say it's it's a weakness, but it's certainly an area that you'd say needs strengthening. Um, and I think it's now over to Lumley between now and the end of the season to kind of prove that he can be a, a solid and reliable number one because our Lord Borough's defence has been rock solid and that back three of Dyke Steel, Fry and McNair has got a great understanding. We know the wing-backs are working well. Um, you can't fill them with confidence when you've got a keeper behind who is making errors and who is liable to, to um, you know, to, to make a daft slip up at some point in the game. Um, you know, it it wasn't costly in terms of a defeat the other night, but you'd have backed Borough to win the game, wouldn't you? If uh, if uh, there we go, um, that was Lumley's agent. Um, you'd have backed Borough to win the game if if the if the game was you know if the score was was one one and the and the attack in the second half. Um, so I, I I think it's up to it's up to Lumley between now and the end of the season uh, to to kind of prove that he should keep the gloves. I, I I don't I don't think he'd be dropped. So you know, Craig, you've spoken to um, Wilder on Friday. I, I certainly wouldn't expect a a radical change or anything like that. You know, Wilder stuck with him, and I'd expect that to continue to be the case. Yeah, as you say, I think Wilder made the change quite early in his time here, didn't he? Uh, when he came in, Daniels was, uh, you know, in possession of that jersey, and 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 um, you know, Wilder made that change and, and, and put Lumley back as number one, and um, 
you know, in the aftermath of the of the QPR uh, draw, he, he he backed Blumley, um, and he and he has backed Blumley quite a lot of times. I think, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about kind of why Borough didn't uh, sign somebody and, and strengthen in January, but I think, you know, we were always looking at January being a kind of, you know, they had certain priorities, and quite clearly he, he targeted that top end of the pitch in particular. Uh, bringing in the two strikers, uh, and then you look at it and you think, and you know they had to balance the books a bit. They they managed to um, they managed to to bring in Riley McGree and, and Caelan Boyd Munts as kind of you know assets and also balancing up the squad in terms of left footed players as well. Uh, and, and you know if I was a betting man, I would I would put money on the fact that they did look at the goalkeeper position in January too. But I think from very early on. Um, while I was putting out the message that he he backed Joe Lumley and that Joe Lumley was, you know, was ultimately you know his man and he was there. He was, you know, if you like, he was doing the business. He was doing what was needed of him. Um, uh, and like Dom says, despite the fact that he he didn't concede many shots, I think the record at the moment is to to add to what Dom said there. I'm pretty sure they're the third best team. Uh, in the championship since Wilder took over in terms of uh, shots conceded per game or shots on target conceded per game, I think it is. So, um, so you know, so Joel Lumley isn't having an awful lot to do because of the solidity of the defence in front of him. But that in itself brings about its own challenge, to be fair, for a goalkeeper, because, of course, if, you, if you're not doing much throughout a game, you've got to maintain a level of concentration because, you know, you might do nothing from minute one to minute 89, and then in the 90th minute, you might be needed to make a save that potentially, you know, ensures that you you maintain the the three points, the victory that you've got uh, in the bag. So, you know, that in itself, not being as active throughout a game, brings its own challenges for a goalkeeper. And you know, you you have to understand the criticism that that is coming Joe Lumley's way. Um, as Don pointed out, you know, it's not an isolated incident. Uh, he, he's proven prone to these errors and. Uh, and 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 as Dom said, I think if you if you're going to look to make your criticism constructive, then you look at what Lumley has to do between now and the end of the season. Whereas Dom says he is probably going to keep that jersey. It's, it's good. I think it'll be unlikely to see a change between now and the end of the season. As Dom says, then what he needs to do is is, is prove he can cut out those errors. Prove he can stop making those errors and keep his concentration. Because uh, you know, ultimately, if he doesn't. Uh, then, then the answer is that he isn't the long-term um, solution for Middlesbrough in goal. And in the summer, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you like a, a freer transfer window with which to move in, a lot more movement, a lot more money to play with, etc., uh, that will be when Borough will look to to strengthen that department if if Lumley doesn't prove himself between now and the end of the season. Certainly, one to watch. We're going to finish off. Looking ahead to the Derby game, first of off, though, I'm going to come to Craig um, about matters off the field with Derby. There's been a bit of an update. Just explain to our listeners what's went down on on Friday. Yeah, so um, Friday afternoon, uh, as we record this podcast, and and earlier we had the update that um, after talks uh, this week, Mel Morris, the the former owner of Derby County, and Steve Gibson have have, have come together and they've. Uh, They've reached a settlement, uh, they've reached an agreement over that legal claim that Middlesbrough had in over Derby County. Um, our understanding is that is, uh, while it's private, it is a financial settlement. Uh, Mel Morris has agreed to pay 
Uh, and and our understanding is that Steve Gibson is said to be very happy uh, and and has you know ultimately comes away from this uh, situation with with what he wanted from it um in terms of the finances that he is getting from that uh, from that claim that he put in uh, and, and and yeah effectively that means it's settled it's been settled by the previous owner Mel Morris um and 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 that frees up Derby to uh to you know continue um their administrators can now continue searching for a preferred bidder for for that football club, and, and hopefully Derby County can now, you know, move forward and, and and move out of administration. And you know, I think important time as well because, as you mentioned, Derby County are the visitors at the Riverside this weekend, and they're bringing a sold out uh, a wee allocation up to the Riverside, and you know, it promised to be. I would imagine quite a volatile um, atmosphere at the Riverside, and you know, you always hope not, but there was always that fear that you know tensions might have boiled over, uh, etc. And, and and hopefully, um, this today, this settlement today, just uh, you know, kind of you know, dampens if you like those tensions, and uh, and you know, the focus can become more on. The action on the pitch tomorrow because it's uh you know it's another big game for both clubs ultimately when you you know take out of uh, account what's gone on between the two clubs off the field on the field derby county and, and william rooney are fighting for survival and you know it's got to be said quite incredible that you know they've been able to get themselves into a position uh, that they are now where they do have a fighting chance of survival given the points deductions they have had and of course for Borough, you know, very much in the mix for the top six and and could do with those three points. So um so yeah, important timing, I think, to get that settled. Yeah, one hundred percent. Dom, I mean Derby are very unpredictable. They beat Hull, good performance, and we've seen them perform well at other stages of the season. How did Middlesbrough prepare for the visit of Derby? Because I I, I just when you watch them, I, you just don't seem to know which team's gonna turn up. I think, but I think it'll just be business as usual for um, Borough. That kind of Wilder's um, very level-headed, isn't he? And keeps, you know, even after uh, I enjoyed his answer to Mark Drury's question in the um, BBC Taste Presser earlier in the week, when Mark asked him if he'd had a good weekend, and he spent the first three or four seconds laughing. Um, but by already by that stage, it was back to business, wasn't it? Um, and you know, the, the message from Wilder to the players this week, or certainly since Wednesday night, they'll just be, forget whatever's happening off the pitch. You know, our focus is, is purely on what happens on it. And this is a game Borough should win, you know, as, as well as Derby are playing. And, and you know, Rooney has done a staggering job, hasn't he? I, I think I'd seen Gerard say today that if Rooney keeps him up, it'd be one of the great managerial achievements Um I don't know whether he meant of all time, but certainly in recent in, in recent championship seasons, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I think I think no matter how, regardless of how the season ends for them now, Rooney's stock is going to be sky high come the end of the season, isn't it? But it's still a game Borough should win, um, and you'd expect them to win. And I think what we've seen from Borough so far, yeah, there's there's, there's been games where they haven't quite hit the heights of other performances, but there hasn't been any. Real, real no-shows. You know, there's, that's what's pleased Wilder so much, the fact that there's been this level of consistency. Um, so I don't think Borough will get kind of dragged into anything that's gone on off the pitch or any any of the emotions that surround the game. Um, 
and 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 I think as well as Derby have been playing, I think Borough will have will have too much and they'll win two 0 if we're going to predictions already. Yeah, go on, Craig. Do you agree with that? Is it a Borough win on the cards? Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be. Uh, I still think, despite the settlement um, for the off-field matters, I still think there might be that bit of a tension in the air. He's um, desperate for he's desperate for a bit of a uh, coming together. <laughs> but no, um, I think ultimately, I think you know, the, the Wilder talks a lot about that kind of fire and ice mentality, and I think you know, Burrow will have to have the fire because we know. Derby will come and you can imagine the situation can't you? We all know the kind of fiery character that Wayne Rooney can be and you know and the, and it's easy to imagine the way he'll kind of rally his players uh, ahead of the game in terms of everything that's gone on off the pitch between the two clubs um, it, and you know and, and use that as, as motivation for his side to send them out with that extra 10%. So Borough will need that fire, which we know they, they do have within them. But Wilder talks about the ice side of the mentality as well. And, you know, that'll be keeping the composure if there is a bit of tension and it is a bit of a fiery atmosphere, not letting that get, you know, get carried away with that, not, uh, not you know, doing anything silly, uh, anything like that, you know, and also, you know, to produce the the kind of performance that they did at QPR. And I think coming off the back of a performance like that and, and a quality shown like that, I think, like with Dom, I think they'll have too much for Derby ultimately. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go for a 3-1 to Borough. There we go. Well, fingers crossed it's a victory and there are a few goals. It'll be another uh, brilliant atmosphere, no doubt, Um put on by Middlesbrough fans. You can head over to Gazette Live to follow all the latest Middlesbrough FC news with Craig and Dom, keeping you up to date with everything you need to know. Thank you very much for tuning in to Tribe Supper. Please remember to like and follow the podcast.